Chapter 16 of Under the Tiger's Claws. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Nick Carter suppressed any show of surprise upon beholding Bell Braddon approaching. He halted politely, raising his hat, upon observing that the girl intended to speak to him, and they met on the Fifth Avenue corner. Belle greeted him with a smile and a pretty toss of her well-poised head, saying glibly, Howdy do, Mr. Carter. You haven't been around to call on me, sir, and play that game of ping-pong. True, I haven't, replied Nick, rather inclined to laugh at her piquant audacity. How many invitations do you require? Well, I can hardly say. I generally have to ask a man but once, pouted Belle, with a playful shrug of her shoulders. I guess you don't enjoy the game. Well, uh, to tell the truth, Miss Braddon, ping-pong is not my long suit, laughed Nick. The girl joined in his laugh, saying dryly, Dear me, you really can be amusing, can't you? Yes, uh, when I try. Try often, Detective Carter. It's awfully becoming. By the way, sir, there's a question that I'd like to ask you. Certainly, bowed Nick. Understand, however, that I may not feel called upon to answer it. Oh, you wouldn't refuse a lady. I'm sure you wouldn't. Well, since you feel so sure, Miss Braddon, go ahead with your question. Belle drew nearer to him and said with a rather sinister gleam in her lifted eyes, Why did you take such pains to have me fired out of my job at the Millmore Trust? Nick already began to specter of having some design that had not yet appeared on the surface, and he decided to learn of what it consisted by leading her on a little. It strikes me, my dear girl, said he, smiling, that it is a needless question. Why needless, Mr. Carter, queried Belle in bantering tones, because you already know why I did it. I do? Yes, nodded Nick. Think it all over. It will probably come to you. Uh, you did it because I told Flood about Kindle's shortage, did you? Precisely. Well, I rather suspected that it was that, Mr. Carter. Why then did you ask? Only to make sure, sir, laughed Belle. A woman's usual reason, eh? Ah, well, have no fear, Mr. Carter. I bear you no ill will for having done so. Really, I rather like you for it, for it's awfully pleasant to be out of a job. And the smiling jade playfully beat Nick's arm with one of her gloves. Then she quickly added poignantly, But I've got it in for Mr. Flood, sir, just the same. That's so, queried Nick. For what? Because he betrayed that I told you. Oh, you wouldn't deny it, Mr. Carter. 
I know well enough that he did. I never attempt to disabuse a woman who already knows, laughed Nick, wondering when she would come to the point. Bill Braddon came to it all right in less than a minute. Yes, sir, I've got it in for him, Mr. Carter, and someday I'll get it even with him. By the way, sir, the central office sleuths are having a fine hunt for him, aren't they? A vain one, certainly, replied Nick. If they hadn't been so hot after my uncle natively, I'd get even with Mr. Flood by making them wise as to his hiding place, declared the girl with effective bitterness. Then before Nick Rick could reply, she quickly added, as if struck with a clever idea, Oh, I say, Mr. Carter, just to show you that I bear you no ill will, and in fact rather fancy you, I'll throw Flood into your hands if you'd like to get them on him for that murder out of Fordham. Nick heard her without a change of countenance. He knew that she was absolutely ignorant of Flood's whereabouts, who, at the moment, was in Nick's residence. Also, that she could have no knowledge of the latter's relations with Flood. Yet no man could have wanted better evidence that the girl had some design which she was craftily plotting to execute. It was characteristic of Nick at any sign of danger to go after it until he discovered of what it consisted. In this case, therefore, he decided to give Belle Braddon all the rope she wanted or until he could learn at what she was driving. Nick was too shrewd, however, to take the bait too greedily, pretending to be entirely ignorant of Flood's movements. He said curiously, Why do you think that I wish to lay hands on him? You are still in Gilsey's employ, aren't you? Well, yes, I'll admit that I am. Then, of course, you want Flood, cried Belle bluntly. What's the use of denying it? Nick no longer did so. It now being very obvious that the girl had some object in view and cared not how she accomplished it. I did not deny it, in fact. I really would like to land him, said he, with sinister eagerness. Do you mean to tell me that you know where he is located? Belle winked and nodded. On the level? demanded Nick. Sure. Where is he? Hiding in a house that I know all about. What price will you take for the information? What will you give? Five hundred. Done, said Belle promptly. When can we turn the trick? At once. That suits me, said Nick. There are two conditions. On which I shall insist, however, added Bill. Namely, you must be governed by my directions. I will. And let me be present when you arrest him. You shall be there. I merely want him to know that I have gotten even with him, Bill bitterly declared in explanation. 
It's dead lucky that she doesn't know what I know of Flood, thought Nick, a little puzzled as to her game. Come on then, she said. I'll take you into the room now occupied by Moses Flood within a quarter of an hour. Nick accompanied her and they started up Fifth Avenue. Bill Braddon was as bold as she was crafty, and she felt sure of landing her man single-handed. The trick she was about to turn, moreover, was well worthy of her. She took Nick to Goddard's vacant house, of which she had the key, and they entered together. Then Nick became more watchful. The empty rooms and bare floors did not surprise him, for he knew that Goddard had moved. But there was a possibility of being assailed by hidden foes, and Nick slipped his revolver into his side pocket unobserved. He was, too, more than ever mystified, knowing that Bell Braddon could not possibly give him any clue to flood. He could not imagine what design existed under her pretensions. He was resolved to learn, however, let come what might. Come upstairs, said Bell, after locking the street door. This is a roundabout way, but it wouldn't have done to enter Flood's house direct. Are you going in there? Yes, nodded Bell. That's where we shall find him. He has a secret hiding place in there. Tread lightly on these bare floors, lest the sound reaches and alarms him. Both houses are vacant, and he should be alone in there at this hour. Good enough, growled Nick quietly. I'm with you. Into this room, Detective Carter. Nick followed her into one of the side chambers, and the girl turned briefly to face him. Now, be very quiet, she said softly, without the slightest sign of nervousness or apprehension. I'm going to let you in on one of the secrets of these two houses. As a matter of fact, Detective Carter, both of them are owned by Moses Flood, but my uncle, who was employed by him, has been occupying this one. Nick smiled and nodded. In this room, continued Bell, there's a concealed door operated by pressing one of the figurines on the wall decoration. It opens into a passage leading through another door into Flood's private room. Nick instantly recalled Flood's escape from Detective Gary, and again he nodded understandingly. The passage was constructed, added Bill, for the purpose of quickly getting the gambling implements out of Flood's house and into this one in case of an unexpected raid by the police. I see. The door is very cleverly constructed, you observe, so that the police could not discover it and light upon the trick. I can see no indications of a door, said Nick truthfully. I'll show you, whispered Bill, but be quiet. After the passage is open, 
for Flood might then overhear us. He has a hiding place in the other house, and there we shall find him. Good for you. Are you ready? Yes. Bill Braddon turned and pressed her hand on the wall. Instantly, a heavy iron door, decorated like the wall, to which it was most cleverly matched, swung quickly open. A four-foot passage was revealed, brick-walled on two sides. At the farther end of it, some five feet away, a similar iron door had swung open. And beyond it was Flood's private room, which Nick immediately recalled. Bill Braddon raised her finger warningly and led the way into the passage. Nick followed her, wondering what he might expect in the adjoining house. When both were in the passage, Bill turned back and paused, whispering softly, Draw that door after you, please. Close it quietly. Nick turned to lay his hand on the door. Like a flash, Bill Braddon sprang into Flood's private room and dashed her hand against the side wall. In an instant, before Nick could raise a finger, both doors closed with a loud metallic clang and a rapidity indicating that they were operated by powerful springs, which opened and closed both doors at once. With a momentary thrill of dismay, Nick found himself alone in the wall passage and in a darkness so profound it could almost be felt. End of chapter 16, read by Gayling, January 2nd, 2022.